Welcome back to the Young Buck Bets Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Dylan Kelly, and I'm already regretting saying that because I swear to God when I was a kid, I heard every anchor say, I'm your host with the most, and I thought it sounded so cool, but now that I said it, I really regret it, but this is all it is. It's a one-take podcast. I'm not going back. I'm leaving it in there, and it was American Thanksgiving on Thursday, and I just assumed that every single American family was just crushing turducken. And if you don't know what turducken is, go watch the YouTube video. Type in John Madden Thanksgiving turducken. Spell it however you want to spell it. But John Madden turducken. I'll give you a little little breakdown of what I understand turducken is. It's a deboned duck stuffed inside of a deboned chicken, stuffed inside of a deboned turkey with all of the sides in between each layer. I'm talking your gravy. I'm talking your mashed potatoes. I'm talking your stuffing. I'm talking your corn, your carrots, whatever else you got in there. It's all in one. I don't know how the hell that's a real thing. It sounds like the most American thing of all time. So if you're an American, reach out to me. Let me know if you actually eat traducan or if that's just a John Madden thing and he was just crazy and his family was just crazy and just mucked traducan all the time. But if you're American and you're listening to the podcast, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm giving you some Saturday content because I'm assuming that all the American content creators, which are all the big ones anyways, are taking the weekend off. So I'm going to try to put my cap in the ring. But anyways, Thursday, because it was American Thanksgiving, there was a ton of football to be played. There wasn't a lot of great quality games. I mean, that Cowboys and Raiders game ended up being great. The refs kind of stole the show, but it ended up being great. But other than that, there wasn't very much quality in terms of the game. That first game, the fact that the NFL made us watch the Bears versus the Lions at 1230 is is gross. Dan Campbell calling back-to-back timeouts and getting a five-yard penalty and basically costing them the game. That is a 100% fireable offense in my mind. You cannot do that in professional football. He, the guy, obviously, like he's like, I think after the game, he was like, you know, we didn't have the right play called. That's also on you there, Dan. Call the right play. Make sure your team knows what the hell the play call is late in a game. Like, it's not that hard, man. You just got to coach the game. I mean, obviously, it is hard. But, like, back-to-back timeouts, that's a mistake that even I wouldn't make in the heat of the moment. I don't think anybody would make that. If you've been watching football for more than a couple years, you wouldn't make that mistake. And Dan Campbell, with the brightest of lights, makes that mistake. It just solidifies that this guy is not going to have a head coaching job next season. And neither is Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was also terrible. I know the Bears won 16-14, whatever. I don't think they even covered the spread. But it's just, they wouldn't even have won if it wasn't for the Dan Campbell play calling. And then on top of that, Matt Nagy's play calling is also just brutal. Like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck just ripping on those two the whole game, basically just kind of like, oh, this is what we got to watch. Like it was it was very much necessary for those two to rip on those <laughs> those two coaches the way they did during that whole broadcast. I don't think either of those coaches will be in the league before too long, like by next season or before the end of this season. I think both those coaches will be fired. The Cowboys then lost to the Raiders in overtime in the 4 o'clock game. 
And man, are we about to see a classic Dallas Cowboys collapse here? I don't want to see it. I really don't. I really wish this was the time where Dallas was just going to show that they actually were Super Bowl contenders because everyone was calling them Super Bowl contenders. They were playing like Super Bowl contenders. I wanted them to be for real, but they're now 7-4 and four and have lost three of their last four games with a different problem kind of popping up every single week. I just seen on Instagram right before I started recording this podcast that they're going to give Zeke some rest to heal up a knee injury. They're not going to put him on the IR, but they're going to give him rest to heal up a knee injury. He's going down. They're just a different problems just popping up and they don't have enough fingers to keep the whole like it's not going well they've lost three of their last four and you know what the division lead in the nfc east may be slipping away from them because the eagles are hot right now they've they're five and six on the season and they've won three of their last four and the eagles have arguably the easiest schedule in the league coming down the stretch, which is horrible news for the Cowboys. The Eagles play the Giants twice, the Washington football team twice, the Jets once, and the Cowboys once in Week 18. So the NFC beast could be decided in Week 18 when the Eagles and the Cowboys square off, which is just shocking considering how amazing this Cowboys team looked and what they were projected to do. People were saying these these guys were going to win the NFC. And now, if you look at it like 100% honestly, I just told you the Eagles schedule, the Eagles are hot right now. I don't know, man. The Eagles may come back and take that division, especially if these holes keep popping up for the Cowboys and they're not able to plug them. A quick props to me from that Cowboys and... Uh, um, Raiders game is I did say I was going to sit Kenyon Drake over Ty Johnson this week and Kenyon Drake in a 30 or they put up 36 points. He had five fantasy points. They signed this guy to a two year, I think it was 14 and a half million dollar deal this offseason with like 12 million dollars of that guaranteed to him telling him he's going to play over Josh Jacobs or something. I don't know why you give him that much money, but guess who was in charge of the team at that time? John Gruden and everyone was just like oh John Gruden's a genius you can't you can't question John Gruden and John Gruden is an idiot he's never been a good head coach he's never had really much success as a head coach and I just I can't get behind anything John Gruden's done and that Kenny and Drake contract is an exact microcosm of his whole career he's just shit I hate John Gruden I'm happy that everything came out about him because he didn't seem like a good guy I always hated him I literally was chirping him two weeks before about a smug look on the sidelines and then a couple things come out about him it's like you know what good I don't like that guy anyways the night, moving on from that, I don't know what just happened there, but moving on from that, the night game was an absolute joke. Buffalo won 31 to 6 against New Orleans, and they were up 24 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. It was a big two touchdown game from Dawson Knox. So if you started him in fantasy, congrats to you. Big two touchdown games. And this New Orleans team is struggling bad ever since our boy. Jameis Winston went down. And think about it. Ever since he went down, they've been struggling. Maybe he was better than everyone thought or everyone was giving him credit for. Maybe his game management was just exactly what Sean Payton needed. I bet you Sean Payton would tell you that J that he misses Jameis Winston and the team misses Jameis Winston because I'm telling you, that guy was leading him to some wins. He was leading him to a decent record. I don't know what to say. I bet you Sean Payton would tell you. I As of right now, Jameis Winston's the starter in New Orleans next, uh, next season unless we get Aaron Rodgers or something crazy, which I don't see happening. I could see Jameis Winston starting in New Orleans again next year. 
And there, so there was the recap of the games from yesterday, or from not yesterday, from Thursday, from Thanksgiving. And this will be a quicker pod today because I'm not actually gambling this week. I still got some things I want to talk about. I still have a couple picks that I'm going to tell you that I would have made. You don't have to tail them because I'm not actually betting them this week. And I feel horrible if you're like, dude, I tailed your picks this week. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't even bet them. So I didn't lose with you. At least when I give out a pick and I bet it, I lose with you if it loses, right? But anyways, to move on to a couple things I want to talk about, the Leafs continued their Western road trip last night in San Jose, and they won 6-2 in LA on Wednesday night. The boys look good. Everyone chipped in with goals from Kerfoot, Engvall, Spezza, Michael Bunting, Rasmus Sandin had a great game in LA, and they looked great and had a three and... Oh, Rasmus Sandin looked great and had a three-point night. I didn't realize he had a three-point night. I just saw that right now. He had a three-point night in LA, and he looked great. And I don't know what was up with this team earlier this year, but they have kind of figured it out. Like, whatever the problem was, I don't know if you remember, I came on here and was like, man, we got to trade Mitch Marner. I, I've fully told people, like, I, the Overdrive guys talk about it, where if they take callers, Joe from the bridge. I'm not full Joe from the bridge, but I do have some insane takes with the Leafs where I ride the highs and I go, like, I'm low, low, because, you know what, it's funny, because they're playing this season. I'm just going to break off and talk about them before I get into the game from last night. So, my thing with the Leafs is when this season started, I wasn't necessarily dead set on watching every game right from game one like I normally was. And I couldn't figure out what it was until I started watching again. And I realized that as a Leaf fan, last year, like, hurt. Watching that in the playoffs, like, hurt. Like, there's not many times that grown men watching sports would be like, dude, I could have cried. I could have cried in game six, game seven, game five. Like, I could have, I honestly, at the end of game seven, it was brutal. Brian Hayes, he actually explained it perfectly that the, the between the Boston series that happened to us, the collapse, and then this Montreal series that just happened to us. The Boston series was like a shot to the chest and then a shot to the head really quickly. And before you knew it, you were out cold and you didn't really know what happened to you. This Montreal game was like dying of gout where all of a sudden, game five, your legs stopped working. And then in game six, your whole body kind of shut down. And then by game seven, you were just sitting there staring, watching what was about to happen until you got put out of your misery in game seven. And that was a perfect, perfect, perfect definition of what happened to me watching that Leafs and Habs series last year. So I was hurt. I was hurt in that LA game, just to bring it back full circle. In that LA game, David Camp went down and actually left for precautionary reasons. And it was up in arms because this guy has actually been so good to the for the team that you didn't want him to miss any times. He time. He did play last night, but I'm going to give this guy credit when we signed him and it was like Leaf signed David camp. I had no clue who he was. I know who I knew who Andre Kasha was, but I did not know who David camp was whatsoever. This guy has played his way into a, like a perfect role with the Leafs. And I just hope that the Leafs don't try to make him go up and play second first line with the boys. Same with Kasha. I hope they just leave them on that third line and just let them play where they're going to produce the best. The Leafs have a tendency of moving those guys up the lineup and ask them to do things that they just can't do. And I just hope that they just leave them there. Just leave them on that third line and let them be the energy that they constantly bring right now. They're in a perfect, perfect role. Um, they played San Jose last night, and since it was a 10:30 start, I'm not going to bullshit you. I didn't watch one second of that game, but they won four to one, and they've now won 13 of their last 15 games. This team's hot streak is no joke. No joke. 13 of 15 is elite in the league. Like a lot of teams don't go on a streak like that in a couple seasons. The Leafs have gone on it already this season, and they're still rolling 
right now. They're getting a ton of production from the big four. Six combined points from them again. If you don't know who the big four are, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. They had six combined points in the 4-1 win last night, and they're just getting productions from everywhere. They're getting production from the big four. They're getting great contributions from guys like Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, David Camp, Andre Kasha, Alex Kerfoot even got on the board there a couple nights ago. There and like they're getting great, great, great lights out goaltending from Jack Campbell. And even when Joseph Wool is in, you can tell these boys are confident playing in front of him. I don't know what the hell Kyle Dubas was thinking signing Mrazek to two or three years at 3.9 a year because he thought he needed a 1B to Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell has been outstanding so far this season. And this Joseph Wool kid looks good enough to be a backup in the NHL by all accounts. You didn't need to pay Peter Mrazek 3.9 mil. It's going to be tough to probably trade that contract, but I'd be interested to see what they do here with Peter Mrazek now that Joseph Wool has been playing so great the last few games. You've got to shut out. He's, I don't think he's lost yet. Joseph Wool has played awesome. And right now, if you've noticed, I've been a little bit distracted during this thing. I get the Michigan versus Ohio State game on. Michigan's actually proving me wrong right now. They're up 28 to 20. They're actually on Ohio State's like four or five yard line here with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So they're about to punch another one in here. And this may be the biggest rivalry in college sports, in all of sports, maybe. How many other times do you see two teams in a locker room? I retweeted a video on my on my podcast, Twitter at Dylan Kelly Show, the Young Buck Bets podcast. Go follow the Instagram and Twitter at Dylan Kelly Show. But I tweeted a, I retweeted a tweet that I saw, and these guys, these teams are in the tunnel just screaming at each other. Coaches included, grown men. This is the biggest rivalry in all of sports that I can remember. Packing 110,000 fans into that big house is also special. I've been lucky enough to experience it twice. I, got, I went to two Michigan home openers when my brother was going to school in Windsor. I, I've been lucky enough to experience it. It is something special, and I couldn't even imagine what 110,000 people in the big house sound like today. Like I wish I was just by the stadium somewhere. I do live really close there, but I don't live close enough. I wish I could have just flown over there and after work and went down and watched this game or at least been around the atmosphere, but I can't. And I do just want to talk about the difference for me. I moved out to Windsor at the end of this year for a job. I work in the public now, blah, 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 whatever. I used to live just outside of Toronto and nobody cares about college football whatsoever. Like whatsoever, nobody cares. Nobody talks about it. Today, it was such a cool experience for me. I'm working in the public and everyone's got their Michigan gear on. I hear like a hundred conversations about the Michigan game. It felt really cool for me because I'm a huge sports guy. I love college football and I love watching it and I love the atmosphere of it. And I've never got to really experience what like a town feels like when they're really behind one college team. And it was a really, really cool experience today. And I, I don't really know how else to explain it. I was walking around with a smile all day today, just talking to people. Hey, what about that Michigan-Ohio State game? And everyone was just fired up. And I've never been able to do that in my entire life. People are probably like, who the hell was that guy? <laughs> After I walked by, full-on conversation about Michigan-Ohio State with every single person that walked by. Anyways, I'm going to wrap up this first part. We're going to get into an ad, but I will get into some picks right after the ad, so stick around. Today's podcast is sponsored by Smooth Peanut Butter. Go ahead, try it by the spoonful, or enjoy it with the classics, like a piece of bread or a piece of toast with some butter on it, or let it show you its versatility by mixing it with some beautiful, nice strawberry jam, or get really frisky and make yourself a peanut butter and banana sandwich and have yourself a day. Smooth Peanut Butter. Thanks for being the sponsor of the pod. All right, there it is. It's official. Michigan beats 
Ohio State. Number six ranked Michigan slaps Ohio State at home, 42 to 27. And Michigan proves me wrong when I was talking earlier in the week that the Dallas Cowboys were the Michigan of the NFL. Michigan proves me wrong, and they win a big game on a big stage. National championship, maybe? Michigan going to hop in there. I can see it happening now, taking over that number two slot. Anyways, back to some picks that we're going to do on this pod, and I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Because it's a Saturday, all of the player props are actually out on Betway Sports. And because all the player props are out, you guys know that I'm a TD score prop fanatic. I love betting the TD scores. So I got a few that I like that I'll tell you that I'm leaning. I got a few overpassing touchdown people that I like that I'll tell you where I'm leaning. And then I got a couple spread picks and whatnot for you at the very, very end. But to get into the player props, I'm going to start in the Cincinnati versus the Steelers game. It's just a number one receiver. Not much explanation needed. It's Jamar Chase. At plus 120 for an anytime touchdown. Guy's the number one option in Cincinnati. He runs the show out there. He gets all the targets. He gets all the deep threats. He gets a lot of end zone looks. Jamar Chase at plus one plus 120. I love that value. And the same thing here. Bucks versus Colts. Michael Pittman Jr. at plus 140. He's the number one option in Indianapolis by a long shot. He is good. I traded him away earlier in the season for Jamar Chase. It's kind of weird how they both worked out. Michael Pittman Jr. is on the scene. And he's the number one guy for the Colts. And I like I, I not just like, I love the value at plus 140 considering how banged up the Bucks secondary is. I know they got a couple guys back last week, but they're still not going to be able to shut down Michael Pittman Jr., I would assume. And plus 140 is great, great odds for that. So Michael Pittman Jr., plus 140 as an anytime touchdown scorer. And the next one is actually kind of a long shot. It's in the Dolphins versus the Panthers game. And I told you guys on Tuesday that I'd probably be betting this, and I have a couple stats to back it up because I was right. I, I, I watch... Tua play, and I was right with what I thought, and I'll tell you in a second. So I got Tua Tagovailoa plus 400 anytime touchdown score, and Tua seems to rush for TDs against really good defenses, and that's what this Carolina Panthers team has. They have a really good defenses. Tua has three rushing touchdowns on the season. They're against New England, Buffalo, and Baltimore. That's who he has his rushing TDs against, New England, Buffalo, and Baltimore. Those are all really good defenses that are ranked right up there with the Carolina Panthers. I think Tua scrambles because his offensive line is terrible. He scrambles and he rushes one in. Tua Tagovailoa, plus 400, gets his fourth of the year. Going with another quarterback in the Eagles versus the Saints game. It's Jalen Hurts at plus 125. This one's almost self-explanatory, I'd say. Like, more or less self-explanatory. He's got eight rushing touchdowns already on the season. He had three last week against New Orleans. And... I feel like it's just at a point right now. They did this with Lamar Jackson for a long time where they had him at plus 120, plus 130, even with Kyler Murray for a while there when he went on that stretch, had him at plus one, and then all of a sudden he went to minus money. I think you got to hop on Jalen Hurts at plus money until he proves you otherwise. Like, realistically, he's he's a cash cow. He has been all season long. So I would jump on him at plus 125 before the bookmakers take him and put him at minus odds every single game. My next and final touchdown score that I like is in the Chargers game. I forget who they're playing, but in the Chargers game, it's Keenan Allen at plus 140. And in the last four weeks, Keenan Allen has seen 11, 13, 11, and 13 targets. He has 77, 104, 98, and 112 yards in those four games and only one touchdown. I think he's due. 
He's due. Even if you even if you want to bet him for two touchdowns, that's too ballsy. The odds would be insane. But I think Keenan Allen is due for a big game in the end zone. He obviously, like I'm telling you, he's got his yards. He's got 100, 104, 98, 112. He's got his yards the last few games. He just needs to get in the house. And I feel like after going off for a few games like that, coach is going to reward you and make a few plays for you in the end zone. And Justin Herbert obviously loves him with 11, 13, 11, 13 targets. That is crazy usage. So Keenan Allen plus 140. So to recap my touchdown scores that I like that I would pick if I was gambling, it was Jamar Chase plus 120, Michael Pittman Jr. plus 140, Tua Valoa plus 400, Jalen Hurts plus 125, and Keenan Allen at plus 140. Now we'll move on to the second category, which I always like betting the overpassing touchdowns. I obviously look the under as well for certain guys like Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones. I check their unders every single week, but I do like betting the overpassing touchdowns because you can get some great guys at plus odds. And the first guy that I like is Tom Brady, over two and a half touchdowns at plus 130. And he's the GOAT at plus money. Like, if that's always a good bet. He's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time. And to throw three touchdowns, go Google how many three touchdown games Tom Brady has in his career. And now tell me you don't want to bet it at plus 130. So now my next one, I'm going with the Tua theme. I'm hitting Tua, 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 Tua. Could this be a heart thing? Because I'm not betting, actually. Maybe. But also, the stats would say that Tua has been playing better as of late. And they're letting him loose a bit. And it's sketchy. But I love, love Tua here, and I like when he's got adversity. He can He's a guy that always plays with a chip on his shoulder anyways. He knows all the eyes are on him. He can go out and win this game. So I like Tua Tagovailoa, over 1.5 passing touchdowns at plus 130. He only needs to get two at plus 130. Like I said, he's been playing better as of late. Let's go Tua. Um, I would also take a peek at either... Aaron Rodgers over two and a half at plus 162. Matt Stafford over two and a half at plus 155. I would just say, take your pick. I really wouldn't argue either way. I would probably lean Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know. Robert Woods going out is a huge deal. And then also with OBJ in there. OBJ is a different animal, man. Nobody knows really how to reel that guy in. I don't know if Sean McVay even knows how to reel that guy in. If he's not getting targets, he might throw Matt Stafford's game completely off with how much he bitches in his ear. I saw the memes going off last week and it was like Odell looking at uh, Stafford over his shoulder and it was like, hey, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle or something like that? And he's like, I got to give it to my dad. It was just like, I couldn't stop laughing. But like I said, take a peek. Rogers over two and a half at plus 162. Stafford over two and a half plus 155. Take your pick, bet them both. I don't really know. I can't imagine they're going to be six touchdowns and they're all going to be passing touchdowns in that game. Take your pick on one of them. So the overpassing touchdowns that I like, Tom Brady over two and a half at plus 130. Tua Tagovailoa over one and a half at plus 130. And take a peek at Rodgers over two and a half plus 162 or Matt Stafford over two and a half at plus 155. And I'll do my game picks, but remember, I went cold, cold as ice last week. So that's why I'm taking this week off. So tail these with caution. If you're tailing them, I, I would like my odds better on the touchdown scores and the props more than my picks this week. But I like Seattle plus one in the Monday nighter against the Washington football team. This also could be a sucker bet because I hear almost majority of the public is thinking the same way as me and saying that this is a get right game for Russ and that he's going to cook all game long against that brutal Washington football team defense. I bought in. I like Seattle 
at plus one. My next pick, I talked about it in the first half, Eagles minus three and a half over the Giants. And like I said, the Eagles have momentum and they understand with Dallas looking how they are right now that they may have a shot at a division title this year, which probably wasn't even, they weren't even thinking about that at one point early in this season. Now, all of a sudden, a division title is within their grasp. It's kind of in their control because the way Dallas is playing, you never know what you're going to get. If the Eagles come out and keep doing what they're doing, they may just take the division lead and take that division title with no questions asked. I think the Giants stink, so I like the Eagles here at minus three and a half. The Titans at plus seven interested me, but I really just, gambling-wise, I hate going against Bill Belichick so much, and they have no Derrick Henry. They have no Julio Jones. I just saw on Instagram that A.J. Brown just got put on the AR, so that's another massive blow to Tennessee. So even though I was going to go plus seven on Tennessee, I would avoid that game. Would I go Patriots minus seven? Maybe, but maybe look alternative point spread like Patriots three and a half, Patriots minus four, something in that category where it's going to be minus 185 or minus 200 odds and then parlay it with something that you're completely confident about because plus seven, that's a big number, especially for the Patriots. They don't really blow people out that often other than like the Jets that one time, but but I don't know. I'm staying away from that game, especially now that AJ Brown is out. And my last pick that I will give this week is the Bengals at minus three and a uh, minus three and a half. They had a good bounce back last week, which I actually was not expecting. The Steelers cannot, and I repeat, cannot move the ball. They kind of moved the ball last week. It was a miracle. Big Ben hasn't practiced all week. You remember that thing I was talking about in a couple episodes ago where it's like a picture on Twitter and it's Big Ben on the field and he's got an ice pack around every single part of his body other than his face. That's probably what Ben was all week. He didn't practice all all week long after throwing for like 30 or 40 times and actually throwing the ball downfield a couple of times. The guy probably couldn't even walk the next day. I can't imagine they're going to put that in the game plan again this week because Ben's like, no, nah, I can't do it. I'll have to retire. And they're not going to go with Mason Rudolph the rest of the way. So I like the Bengals here. They have a way better offense than the Steelers. The Bengals defense isn't bad. Like obviously it showed a couple cracks here over the last few weeks, but it's not bad at all. It's definitely good enough to stop this Steelers team. The Bengals also beat the Steelers 24 to 10 in the first matchup this season. So I think it looks similar tomorrow. I would like the Bengals at minus three and a half. So then to recap the few picks that I'll give, I like Seattle plus one in the Monday nighter over the Washington football team. I like the Eagles minus three and a half over the Giants. And I like the Bengals minus three and a half over the Steelers on Sunday. Those are my picks. I hope you like the props, the touchdown scores, the overpassing touchdown scores, the picks, all in one pod. I did it all for you. Go follow all the socials at Dylan Kelly Show on Instagram and Twitter because you know I'll still be posting the quick hitter tomorrow. I'm doing it 18 weeks in a row. I don't even care. I may even do it for the playoffs. We may go a full season of doing a Sunday quick hitter on Instagram and Twitter. So go follow those. You don't want to miss them at Dylan Kelly Show. I'll see you guys on Tuesday.